Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're going to tackle a tough question that many of our friends in business are wrestling with this year. Should you scale back on marketing? Ooh. Ooh. The live audience is going crazy. It's okay, sit down. Sit down yeah, back there. You. Don't the rioting. My gosh. gosh. Good Lord. <laughs> we have so many friends here. <laughs> and this is really not just one of those marketing questions, quote unquote, air quote, marketing questions uh, that not just marketing people are dealing with, right? Anybody who uh, is maybe running a small business all the way up to the C-suite of a Fortune 500 company, which seems impossibly wealthy to me, (laughs) uh, they're considering their budgets. um, And maybe already have considered budgets for 2023 and looking at the economic forecast and maybe being awake at night a little bit and maybe a lot. Um, And when we talk budget cuts... Marketing is very often the first one on the chopping block. <laughs> if not the first, one of the first, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, you know, it's an interesting question. And, you know, I think the first thing that usually comes to mind is, is what we're doing working, you know, which might be one of the reasons why marketing is one of the first things to be, you know, discussed as far as being cut. Because sometimes it's really, really tough to prove or show that what we're doing is working. You know, some, some of the things that we do are groundwork or foundational type of exercises that, uh, you know, we won't know whether or not that thing worked really mm-hmm. for years, you know. Um, but this does lead to a really important question about, um, or, you know, uh, important strategy of measuring what matters and measuring everything that you can um, and being comfortable with a certain amount of stuff that just can't be measured, right? You know, a certain amount. What And really, wherever your comfort level is on that, um, it might be, yeah, we, you know, we do a whole bunch of stuff that we know we can't measure and we're okay with that. Another strategy that I'm sure some organizations put into place is we will only do things that we can measure. Right. You know, and that's okay too. Right. Most are probably somewhere in between, right? Yeah. I would be really interested to see an organization only doing things they can measure. Yeah. What yeah. a really laser-focused strategy that would be. Yeah. And what would they be leaving on the table? Right. Because they can't measure it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, give and take or good and bad with that, right? Like, yeah, maybe you're missing out on some opportunities. Maybe there's some spaces that competition is in that you're just not. But mm-hmm. you, I mean, could you literally say every single dollar that I spend on marketing, I can tell you its impact? And that's maybe a little utopian, but sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Right, right. Yeah. Sounds like you would have less fear of having that conversation about why are we spending what we're spending? Right. Because yeah. you would have all of that data yeah. behind it. Yeah, I think that there's a more and more like growing understanding that some of marketing is like experiential, right? Or it's like mm-hmm. a testing ground or like a kind of a, you know, an opportunity to try some things knowing that it's not all going to work, right? So um, even in this, you know, utopian hypothetical scenario that we're talking about here, which I don't know, maybe it's not even hypothetical. I'm 
it's probably real for some organizations, right? Um, you know, knowing that you have this testing opportunity within marketing, you could, if you were actually measuring everything, you'd, you'd be getting results. So just by measuring everything doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be able to show that everything's working. Or right. That, you know, right. Um, every dollar is super well spent or super effective or anything, but you could at least say, well, this bucket of money over here is not working. It's not mm -hmm. doing anything for us, but you learned something, right? And then you can tweak or change what you want to do next year. So, or ne next year, next time, whatever time frame you're working with them. But so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting as we're sitting here kind of like, <laughs> uh, freestyling on this topic of measuring absolutely everything. It's interesting to think about what that might look like and which things we do that would just go away because we can't measure it. Right. You know, and, what would be our comfort level with that? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe things that would go away. And I think the top thing that I think of here is social media. They would go away because even though we have a metric, the metric isn't necessarily meaningful. Right. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not always anyway. Not right. always. Um, yeah. The, the other, I guess, um, change that this could make is how your workload or time is dedicated because mm -hmm. measuring isn't free you know right. like it may like literally cost you money or um you know it's taking you time to mm -hmm. you know put those measurements in place to check on them to understand them and all of that so um, it's not like uh, there would be some huge time savings by just cutting stuff that you couldn't measure. You'd probably be re rededicating a lot of that time to the measurements you are making and the understanding of all of that, which could be a nice trade-off. Right. Right. But before we get there, we yeah. already got there. I don't we know did. why I'm saying before we get there. <laughs> oh, because I'm trying to get, get us back on to the notes that we have. Um, Loosey-goosey, though they may be. Uh, let's... You know what? Let's start here. Blanket statement. Ben, I am coming to you as a small business, small credit union, nonprofit. Blanket question. Should I scale back on marketing for 2023 because of what I'm afraid of? Yeah. Well, I'm going to do exactly what Ben Bauer does when you ask me questions like this and sit happily in the middle. <laughs> give you a very <laughs> diplomatic answer. Oh, please. But, but I do think that there's, you know, um, I could be as bold as to say yes or no, right? Um, but um, I could be um, more honest with myself and say that it depends, and I think this is your take on it too, right? Like it really, really does depend um, on what you're doing, what you're trying to do, who you're trying to attract. Um, but uh, I would probably really confidently be able to say like, yes to some of what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. There's probably some stuff that you've been doing, doing for a while, haven't been seeing results, aren't measuring, you know, whatever the reason is um, that it might be enough to say, like, let's stop doing that thing, you know? Right. And usually that results in a scaling back of time or dollars mm -hmm. or resources, you know? Now, you know, the flip side to that is, does that mean you should scale back on those things, cut those things, whatever, and then just move along or, you know, is that an opportunity to give a shot in the arm to something that you're doing that does work or try something new going back to that testing, right. you know, idea, right? Um, so to just straight up say scale back, cut some stuff, 
I don't know if I could necessarily suggest that sometimes. And, you know, we're living in a world right now where, you know, recession looming and mm-hmm. tricky financial times. Um, so some, sometimes a cut is just necessary or you might be at the mercy of the decision makers that make that um, decision to cut. Um, but if not, um, I would definitely, and of course I'm biased because I'm in marketing, but <laughs> I would definitely say reallocate instead of just mm-hmm. a straight up cut or trim. Right. Well, and this is all on the presumption that when we use the term scale back, we're just talking about dollars. Yeah, right. So right. Uh, I think if I were asked that question, I would say, yes, I would say it depends. And then I would say, but what do you mean by scaling back? Do you mean should you spend less money? Hmm. Um, because that is, that's one line of inquiry that is a maybe. Maybe yeah. you should spend less money. There's probably, and not just in a recession, anytime. You should look at what your marketing mix is, see what's working, see how much you're spending to get that result, mm-hmm. and consider if you should be spending less on that and reallocating that money. Yeah. Um, but that's just one line of inquiry. Should you be doing less things? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what you mean by scaling back? Should, we, should you be trying not as hard? Well, I think, I think I would make a blanket statement to say no. Now is the time to to turn it to 11, double that effort, yeah. do put, allocate, even if it means you have to look at low cost, quote unquote, low cost, no cost efforts, mm-hmm. uh, put like, it, now's the time to go hardcore, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the people over at Twitter. Right. But, but seriously, I signed my agreement. By the yeah, way, I'm, I'm totally good. going. I am going to have to ask you, yeah. in terms of this podcast, <laughs> to sign an agreement. We're saying, so hardcore. Saying you're going hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> but when you know things are going to be on a downturn, that is the time. I mean, it is an exciting time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it gives people a lot of dread. But you know, I and I think we both come from this. Uh, this line of thinking that part of the excitement of marketing is the puzzle of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is a lot of opportunity in that economic downturn. Right. And if what you're going to say is, well, I don't have any money and it's not going to work anyway and everybody's sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so forget it and I'm just going to sit over, I'm going to go over there and eat dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do that. Yeah. Say what what does this open up for me? What am I doing that I need to stop doing? What are the things that we can do for less money? What are the channels that are more effective Mm -hmm. that I haven't tried because we've always done this same thing? Um, What is the crazy thing? What is my Wendy's? And, you know, (laughs) we're in Wisconsin. My Wendy's, my quick trip, my persona that I could be doing essentially for free. What is the thing that would elevate me that um, wouldn't mean I'm investing more money, but would mean I'm still standing out from the crowd? Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you do that among your peers at a period where everyone else is scaling back, pulling back, you, isn't it nice I have this hand gesture? It doesn't help <laughs> the listening audience, but I did a very good pulling back right. gesture. But in a time when everyone else is pulling back, and if you started to elevate yourself, then, you know, it's it's like the stock market. You invest when it's down. Right, yeah. 
Um, and then you reap the rewards of that when there's a turn up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great point and all, um, you know, really sound advice. I mean, I love the fact that you use the word opportunity so many times as you were just talking because like it really is an opportunity and I think that there's actually something really exciting about the time that we're in right now and that like I think it's pretty safe to make an assumption that a lot of competition are of that mindset of I need to cut, I need to scale back, I need to save all my money, I need to put all those acorns mm. away until you know things are shiny again. Um, and, and that's going to happen. There's going to be plenty of businesses and people that make those decisions because that's their comfort level or their strategy, whatever. Um, so like, let's take advantage of that. And I've been fortunate that, um, you know, with whatever line of business I've been in, in the last 20 years, um, there's been a pretty proactive and progressive strategy when it comes to times like this, where, um, there's still been, you know, a real emphasis and um, dedication to marketing and making sure. And and like I'm using marketing as a really big term there, like community involvement, community engagement, mm -hmm. some of the stuff that we can do that doesn't necessarily mean spending more dollars, but just being more involved, being out and about, being present, you know. And that's, you know, kind of like back to your point of, you know, it doesn't always have to be about dollars. It might just be what are we doing? Should we do more of it? Should we do different things? Um, so luckily, um, you know, I've been at a place where, um, marketing has been a priority and that opportunity has always been kind of maximized in downturns like this. And I'm thinking of like the 08 housing, you know, scenario mm -hmm. and, um, even, you know, pandemic, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, it got pretty scary for a while and some people started to kind of peel back or pull back on some things. And, um, we've always been pretty, um, you know, present in times when it's easy to justify scaling back, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and I think when I think about the pandemic, and actually I, I just started having, I had this conversation with someone 30 minutes ago, literally, where uh, I sort of threw out this idea that I hadn't really been thinking about too much, but now I will think about nothing but it. Uh, that it is, it's an exciting time in the same way that is that the pandemic was as scary as it was. Yeah, um, it broke down a lot of walls for people. It changed people's views on the world. And when you have a paradigm shift, that's a marketing word. <laughs> when you have such a big paradigm shift, it gives you an opportunity to look at things with fresh eyes. And I think the benefit, if you can call going, knowing that you're going into a recession, a benefit, um, the benefit is that people have experienced recessions before. The pandemic was a hundred year, you know, yeah. it, it, there is historical precedent, but none of us were alive to know what happened. Um, a recession though, we have been through a recession. We have, we know that people act in predictable ways or it, like, it's, it's a pretty binary thing. People are either going to act predictably or entirely unpredictably. <laughs> Those are the two things that will happen. And since, since we know that there is some possibility of total unpredictability, then we, we deal with that when it comes. 
So that means you think about the predictable things that can happen mm-hmm. and make decisions, you know, make strategy decisions around it. And also you think about who, who do I want to be? Do I want to act in predictable ways? Or do I want to be the person who is acting in ways that are unpredictable to the benefit of what I'm doing? Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've talked myself into really being ready to enjoy this recession. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Feeling great, yeah. <laughs> Better than the alternative. Just right, to... right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think it is because there is a certain part of what we do that feels sort of, quote-unquote, recession-proof. Mm. Because it's about connection, especially because we as a, we as a business feel so strongly that marketing is about connecting people. Mm-hmm that makes that part of our business recession-proof because we still have to connect people. Right. And that is still an important part of everyone, uh, everyone's strategy mm-hmm. is connecting people to the things that they need. Yeah. So it, it, it just beca- it becomes about how you talk about it, how you message it, and learning those lessons. Yeah. So, so let's, we've got a list of things that we can do. We let's can, hit it. Let's hit it. Where could you maybe spend less money? Yeah. I think, like, the, the answer to this one is, like, endless opportunity, right? right? I mean, there's just so many different ways that you could spend less money. I mean, look at, you know, uh, all the different things that contribute to marketing, whether we're talking about, like, ad spend or buy stuff we buy, you know, like mm. swag, print, uh, you know, um, and there's subcategories under there that could go right. on forever and ever, right? So, I mean, taking a, a look at that, and and this is where whether there's a measurement in place or not to decide what to cut or where what to spend less on or not spend anything on at all should be informed by some kind of measurement, you know, mm. and that measurement might be a gut, you know what I mean? Which, right. you know, a gut decision, maybe a lot of opinion, maybe some bias in it for sure. Like I'm not going to deny that it's a uh, imperfect measurement, but also like there's a reason that your gut is feeling away, right? You know, you've interacted with those things over time mm-hmm. and or you've seen how your audience interacts with those things over time and you've gotten a reaction and a reaction is a measurement, you know? So, um, of course, you'd love for it to be a bit more scientific or, you know, backed by, you know, true data numbers or conversions or whatever it might be, but sometimes you don't always have that stuff. So sometimes you do need to go with your gut, but your gut is informed. The important thing is that when you have the opportunity to um, listen to your gut or go with your gut and you have the benefit of real data behind it, (laughs) to use both of those things, you know, not just lean to the gut because that's how you're feeling, you know. But if you don't have other numbers, you know, use your gut and, you know, use your experience and what you've observed to make those decisions. So... Um, and before you leave that yeah, point, yeah. let me interject and say uh, the great thing about using your gut, which is a thing I believe in uh, so intensely, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and used to be, you know, thinking, hearkening back to uh, when I was training tellers. Mm-hmm. That was always the first thing that I, you know, be, a big part of the teller experience is, or it, it used to be, maybe it's not when you have machines that are coming for you now, but it used to be variances were a big part of that experience. And it's so heartbreaking 
to watch someone go through that. Um, and so variances and then like fraud, check fraud, things sure. like that. Yeah. And I would always tell people, follow your gut. If you feel like something's wrong, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, it might be you. <laughs> right. <laughs> it might be them. It might be the situation. Yeah. So you do have to figure that part out. Yeah. But if you feel like something, you know, so there's that side of it. And then that means if it feels right, follow your gut until, and it's until you have proof that your gut's wrong. Yeah. So the thing about, you know, using informing strategy based on your intuition is that you only have to do that for that particular strategy one time yeah. because you try it and now you have data. Right. So if you start, I think we can, um, we can paralyze ourselves with the need to have data. Mm. And if you can follow your gut the one time and say, well, I'm going to try it and I'm going to see what happens. You, then you get the data. Right. <laughs> and if you were right, then, you know, it's a big win. And if you were wrong, it's a big win because you said, okay, so now I have something I can analyze to see right. why my gut was telling me this, but the truth was that. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 That's my endorsement. That was my commercial for using going with your gut. Right. <laughs> Yes, and we can, you know, make that endorsement while also acknowledging that that can cause confusion, you know, right. because sometimes, you know, you, you know, to either sell the thing that you're doing or get buy-in from other people, they're really looking for data and sometimes you don't mm-hmm. have it and and sometimes you just need to be really transparent, like, hey, this is a gut call, you know, you're, you're like, you're the detective with a hunch, like, I got a hunch on this thing, we got to try it and we'll figure something out. After right. we try it, you know, like you, like you said, it'll go great or we'll learn that it didn't and right. that's information. So, yeah, yeah and, it, you know, I mean, I think this can be applied to big splashy campaign you're trying to create or like which event do I do or which promo item do I order, you know, and, and same, like use your gut. If you're ordering that thing and something in you is telling you like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if people are going to care that they get this at that event. Well, like, there you go. There's some information. Mm-hmm. Like if you're questioning it, yeah, they're probably not. So get something different. Right. And you know, this is a not, one of those examples of where it might not wind up resulting in like a, um, a straight like drop in spending or a complete cut or something, but it might mean that you're making a decision to do something better or be a bit more efficient, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for like community engagement or community involvement type things. Like when we're, when we are cutting dollars, when we straight up have to cut dollars, sometimes we can make up for that um, resource in a rededication of time. Mm-hmm. But there's still only so much of that, right? So like if I'm choosing between which things I get to support or, you know, where I'll spend my time, um, and you have no history of knowing whether or not that'll pay off, use your gut and sometimes maybe make the decision based on like what you will enjoy more, like what you'll get more joy out of because my guess is if you're choosing between this event or that event or this cause or that cause and if you lean on the thing that you think will bring you more happiness, you're probably going to see better results because you're going to be in a better mood when you're there. Right. You're doing something that you care about, you know, right? And this hopefully aligns with what the organization's trying to do and their values too. So, you know, we will get off the going with your gut train here, yeah. I promise. But I do think, um, you know, just another example of where go with your gut, go with your heart, whatever it is, and make the best decision and you'll learn. You'll learn something. 
Yeah. Well, in semi-related to that going with your gut thing, I think a key place we can save money, and I let me tease this for you, Ben, by saying here this is going to be one of those situations where I am going to sound overly harsh and you're going to diplomat it back for people. Got okay? it. I'm, I'm right here, ready to go, ready to go. <laughs> so a key place you can save money is by uh, letting go of other people's expectations. Ooh. So things like, you know, you mentioned swag. I And uh, and not to, not to go for, I'm hard on the commercials this time, so I'm working <laughs> on a blog post right now. And there is a particular piece of swag that is sitting on my desk and I have carried from office to office to office to office and is on my desk at home right now that informs this little piece of it. Somebody several years ago wanted these bobblehead pens so bad uh, because they, as a member of the team, thought they were cool. They got them you got a similar one at some event and oh this is the greatest thing in the world well um they are fine but there there are so many things wrong with these pens um speaking as a person who uh, uh of diminutive stature i also that means i have short fingers okay. so you can't they're big chunky pens you can't write with them okay <laughs> <laughs> if you write with them the bobble had bobbles and it giggles, so it's also annoying. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> so that that is my. I sat and stared at that and thought that is a thing that we could have not spent money on. Hmm. That somebody else saw that they thought it was great. They didn't take the extra steps to say, "Are people going to associate this with a good feeling, or is it going to quickly turn into something unpleasant?" Um, but it was someone else's expectation that we spent money on that to me was a dud. Yeah. <laughs> but I hung on to it. Now explain that. <laughs> Another thing I think of, speaking of other people's expectations, um, buying advertising where the people on your team are as opposed to where your audience is. Right. So uh, that... I think is a key place you could be saving money yeah. because, you know, I think, um, well, I can definitely, I will call This is, this is on me. I'm not our audience. Hmm. I have aged out of our audience. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't apologize. For that. Uh, so what I see and what I do now, you know, when we talk about audience, we always do try and keep this fluid idea that there are people, it's more about habit. Right, behavior, right? Be habit and behavior than it is about age. Um, so I am, I still have habits and behaviors that fit with our audience. Uh, however, I think about the fact that uh, I live in a different city than any of our other locations. We are doing targeted ads um, in areas around our locations. I never see our ads. Right. Um, and that's because... I'm not in that target area. So if I came in as an employee and said, we're not doing any ads, what's wrong with you people? I should be seeing ads. Um, that would be a real mistake because you don't spend money to make sure that your employees are seeing the ads. Right. You spend money to make sure your audience sees them. 
So for me, it's a, uh, it's a geographical issue as well as a demographical issue. Mm-hmm. Demographical? Yeah. Demographic. <laughs> it's not a word, it is not. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so to think about the expectations that you get from the people around you on your team yeah. and make good choices based on what your strategy is rather than what they expect you to be doing or what they expect to be hearing yeah. or seeing yeah. um, is a key place. Yeah. On the expectations topic, I'll just also add, um, and speaking of spaces and stuff, where your competition is mm-hmm. as well, you know, just because you see your competition somewhere or hear them somewhere doesn't mean that you need to be there too. Right. Now, it, it, it may be part of your strategy is, hey, we're going to, wherever they are, we are. We're going to make sure that we're a part of the consideration anytime they are. You know, if that's your strategy, great. Um, depending on the line of work that you're in, that may or may not be possible because you might have to be everywhere to be right. where your competition is and right. that's not always sustainable or feasible, right? So um, so just another thing to, you know, maybe check on the expectations topic, right? Right, right. And also, P.S., if that, if that is your strategy, then buckle in, bub, because yeah, you right. need to be, that is a whole other line of thinking and you really need to commit to it. Yeah, for because sure. Because you are going to, uh, if you're not looking, you're going to miss. Yeah. Well, and it goes beyond where your ads are placed. It's, you know, where your locations are, where your right. brick and mortar is, you know, right. where your product is. You know, the example that I think of when we're on this topic is um, Top Golf. Back when Top Golf blew up, and I don't know, maybe it's still blowing up. Um, <laughs> there's a, uh, I can't remember the name of the business now, but it's like an indoor skydiving company. I, don't, I can't remember the name of it, but you know, you like go in this big tube and you can like skydive inside. Anytime that a Top Golf was being built, six months later, the skydiving place was built across the street because, you know, it's just common for the bachelor party or whatever, the groups of people that would go and do top golf, the next thing they do is go do this indoor skydiving. So they like are totally piggyback, piggybacking off of mm-hmm. an enter, uh, another entertainment competition, you know, and which is great. But, uh, you know, if, if that, if you have the resources to invest in mm-hmm. popping up a location wherever they are or spending ad dollars wherever they are, um, it might work, might work for you. But like you said, buckle up. Right. And don't miss it and don't deviate from it because the minute you do, then all of a sudden it's, you know, you see the cliff. <laughs> right, you know? right. So. Yeah, yeah I, I'm really glad you pointed out the location thing because I do think that's a thing that, uh, especially, you know, for, for credit unions that have, or other businesses that have multiple locations, uh, the, I th- I don't I think we could do a better job thinking about who our competition is, mm. and really comparing apples to apples, um, because taking so taking that and then marrying it with the marketing strategy. So if we are if we're in a space that the people we think are our competition quote unquote mm-hmm. uh, aren't, then are they our competition there? Yeah. So then it's a completely different strategy. Uh, or if we are not, you know, I think about being in multiple different cities too. If our strategy is not growth in a city where we have competition and we see them doing some other things, why would we invest money there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, invest some money there. Keep keep, keep yeah. the water running, keep the lights on. Right. Do the things, take of care course. of your people, Do you know, yeah. do that baseline um, level of marketing there but 
you know, it's not, this is not, it's not a game. It's not like I'm going to beat you on the number of ads people see as they're driving down Main Street. Yeah. Um, it is being smart about money and growing, investing where you want to grow. Right. Right. You know this. Yeah. I am preaching to the choir, <laughs> as I so often do. So let's talk about saving money. How can people save money? Yeah, I mean, the first word that comes to mind for me is just efficiency, right? So, um, and something that maybe well, I'm certain we don't do um, as often as we probably should is negotiate, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, providers you might be getting services from or um, uh, stuff you're buying, you know, don't be afraid to negotiate. And that's not to necessarily always say that the end result will be spending less money, right? But it might be, you know, and this is where efficiency comes in, spending the money the best way that you can, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, yeah, if you do just need to straight up make a cut, I guess similar, um, you know, if, if your goal is to save dollars, to spend less money, um, all the more reason to make sure that um, you're making decisions based on whatever information you have. Hopefully it's real data, ideally, or most realistically, it's a combination of real data and your gut. And back to that earlier point, if all that you have is your gut, lean into it. Right. As my stomach is like grumbling yeah. right now, apparently. Your I'm gut hungry. is like you're not listening. I wonder then. if the mic picked that up. <laughs> but <laughs> my gut's like, yeah, go with your gut. Get some food, man. Now's my time to shine. <laughs> You know, what's interesting when you talk about that, about negotiation, uh, something I struggled with early in my career was not really having the, not really connecting to the fundamental understanding when I was talking to uh, media salespeople that I was the customer. And I think that there is a, uh, a, I think that there, my perception is, let me, I, I want to be very careful here. This does not apply to every media salesperson. Uh, but I think that there, the people that I dealt with came in with an attitude like they were giving me a gift. Hmm. And uh, I, as a young and inexperienced person, took their attitude on that they were giving me a gift. Um, they bring in data, they tell you all the things, they tell you how great it's going to be, and um, they place it on you to find the money that they need, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I fell victim to that early on. And it wasn't until I really sat down and thought about it, um, because I think they perpetuated this feeling of, like, we are, you know, we're the media, yeah. So you have to, you, you give us money because we're the media, right? <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> and it wasn't until I stopped and went, um, I, I am not sure what you're doing to earn my money. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you said, you know, and at that, this is way back in the day <laughs> when they would, you know, they would bring in the Nielsen book and they'd be like, oh, we're number one in the book in the area. And, you know, what? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> But also explain to me how that connects to my business and why that means you get the money that you're telling me you should get. Mm -hmm. And uh, all, and it, when I started to be able to say, well, 
whether you're number one in the area, number five in the area, number seven in the area, this is how much money I have. So your Nielsen book um, is only a small part of this consideration. If I don't have the money, I don't have the money. Yeah. Um, and it is up to you if you can find me the advertising I need um, for the money I have. If you can't, that's cool. I, I would prefer, you know, yeah, you say you're number one in the area. Everybody says it, but yeah, I would like to work with number one in the area, but if we if you can't give me what I need for the money I have, then I can't work with number one in the area. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but that also is why I made the girl from the radio station cry <laughs> because I told her <laughs> that their prices. Uh, I I realized I was the first one to tell her that their prices were arbitrary. And I don't think she knew what to do with that information. So she started to cry. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That's a story for another yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So negotiate, negotiate mm -hmm. um, have an efficient use of your money, and hold anyone who is going to sell you advertising, hold them to the standard of connecting it to results for your business. Right. If they yeah. can't do that, yeah. then, you know, find someone that will. Yeah, there's no there's no spot for number one in the area on the balance sheet, right? Right, like, right, you know, that, exactly. You can't deposit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, to just to finish, tie the bow on that story, um, when I started to, we, we were heavy in, all you had was radio and TV at the time. Um, this is at a time where people were still debating whether a credit union needed a website. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there, the people, the salespeople who I could say, I could have that conversation with, that I could have a face-to-face -face and say, here's the money I have, find me what I need for the money that I can give you, um, and don't screw me over. The people who could handle that conversation were the people that I ultimately advertised with. I had great relationships with them, they they knew that they um, that I was always going to be honest with them. I felt they were going to be honest with me, because at a certain point, uh, we just had a come to Jesus moment where I said, you know, you can't that technique isn't going to work on me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to be real people here. Yeah, and and it worked well for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, and there's, you know, experience behind that and some savviness and mm -hmm. some things that you learn along the way, right? Like this right. isn't something that you did day one. Right, you know? exactly. So I guess that's, you know, maybe something to um, throw out to our listeners as well. Like if anything you're hearing, you're thinking, oh, gosh, why am I doing that? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's yeah. learning. It's learning. But now you know. Right, right. And, and, if, and, and we're learning too, by the way, exactly. all the time. So Yeah, well, and because everything, the landscape changes every 15 minutes. Right. So yes, I have, uh, I, I can tell you exactly how you should have talked to the salesperson in whatever year that was from the Fox affiliate <laughs> <laughs> at that time. That is not useful to you right now. Right. That is, that has stopped being useful. <laughs> yeah. But it is applicable to what mm -hmm. we're doing today, right. um, and it might just be, you know, it might look a lot different, and some of it is self-service. Maybe the person that you're mm -hmm. talking to is yourself, right. <laughs> right? Like, quit promising myself that this Facebook ad is going to work when, you know, you don't really know or you haven't tested it or, you know, right. if you haven't changed anything, right? Stop it. Stop 
promising yourself things and check yourself. Negotiate with yourself maybe every now and then. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. So many great points. So many. We're so good at this. <laughs> so how can you invest your money better? Well, you know, it's it's funny because I think the question is like a the question itself is an answer to some of the questions that we've asked. You know, how can you save money? Um, well, one way to save money is to invest it better. You know, invest what you have better. You know, right. you know, it may wind up just being optics or a number game. You know, how much money have you actually saved? Might be. Um, you might find out that you actually didn't spend any less, but the value that you get from the money that you spent right. makes it feel like you saved a ton, right? Or right. you know, uh, you just got that return that we're all looking for, you know. So, um, but I, I do think that um, any time that you can spend your dollars on stuff that you can measure or you know get more clear results than the gut reaction. Mm-hmm. The better, you know, that's that's a better investment of your money, even if you wind up spending less doing it, you know. So that's something that I'd always advocate for, and I'm also someone that does believe in spending money on things that you can't just clearly measure uh, right now, or maybe even ever, you know. Right. Like some of those things are just an investment to contribute to the top of mind awareness game that we're all trying to play. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're trying to do is create that top of mind awareness so people make decisions when they're ready to buy. You know, so. Um, so yeah, while there might be a comfort level with spending money on things that you can't measure, if you have a choice, mm-hmm. go with the thing that you can measure because you're likely going to be held accountable to it, maybe only by yourself, um, but maybe by others, your clients, your board, your leadership, you know, so um, I would just always advocate for leaning towards those things that you can measure. Yeah. So my specific notes that I have. Are uh, and we talked about it uh, a little bit. We touched on it anyway. Targeted ads, well-targeted ads, mm. intelligently targeted ads. So find the people that you need to talk to and invest there. Yeah. Um, and put uh, little to no energy in the people that you don't need to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, useful gifts. So this is mm. kind of back to that promo item thing. If you're going to have a promo item think about the strategy that connects that thing you're putting your logo on to a sale. Mm. Now, it could be a long road to get to that sale. Yeah. But uh, if you... I'm trying to think of something that's highly disposable. Uh, Band-Aids. Don't put... (laughs) If you want to get a well... uh, If you want to have someone seeing your logo over a nice long period of time, however long it's going to take them to finally uh, buy from you, um, something disposable, like don't don't buy Kleenex, don't buy, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'm thinking of the most disposable yeah, things. Yeah. Um, uh, buy something that they are going to look at, touch, they're going to interact with frequently. Yeah. Um, invest in, like I think about, Investing in quality, mm. right? You know that. To me, that is a place that you spend the money to ensure that someone is going to have that thing—a coffee mug, a tumbler, mm-hmm. um, something that you know people are going to use over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, well, we can get five hundred of this other thing for the same price as that one hundred. Well. Yeah. 
if they're going to use that five times a week for the next 10 years, yeah, you're making your money. Right. Do it, invest in it. Right, yeah. Um, and then well-curated events is another thing I have on my notes. And what is, what is meant by that? Like using, using a high amount of care and concentration and mindfulness when you are going to spend money on, you know, that probably the first thing that pops to mind for me is member, a member appreciation day, a customer appreciation event, um, making sure that everything about that event is creating that again, creating that connection that bring will bring people back. Mm -hmm. So nothing is uh, you can you can get a good bargain on things, but it shouldn't be cheap. Sure, it shouldn't seem cheap, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the from the promo items you buy, if you're going to serve food, to the food you serve, to the drinks, to the setup, to you know the activities. Uh, I think. The investment you make is you get the best prices you can get to make the appearance, at least the appearance, of a really top-shelf event, something sure. that is memorable for people. Yeah. Um, I, I think when I think about, you know, we're in Wisconsin, you think about a brat fry, right? <laughs> so you can have, you can do a brat fry. People love a brat fry. There is nothing like the smell of frying bread. <laughs> so true. To, yes, and people kind of like float on the smell yeah. <laughs> to your bread fry. But you know you can do that well. You can do it really well, and you can curate that experience for people. Um, have the things people want. Make sure you understand the area you're in. You know, sp speaking specifically, uh, if you want a really specific example, where we're at. You have to know we have one market um, for our credit for our credit union. We have one market that goes through four times as much um, uh, sauerkraut. Sauerkraut, thank you, <laughs> as any other market. Yeah. So we have to get a gallon of sauerkraut, and it's a small thing. I mean, it's a large thing. It's a gallon of sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but knowing knowing your people knowing what they want, knowing what makes that top shelf to them the best mm. experience possible yeah. um, can make a huge difference. So invest the time and the money and things like that. Yeah. I love that we're combining top shelf and sauerkraut in the yeah. same statements here. It's very, very yeah. true, by the way. Hey, yeah. hey, who are we dealing with, though, uh, here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's central Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I, Love everything that you said. I think, um, you know, don't be tricked by the question of like, how can you invest your money better and hearing words like top shelf and stuff that doesn't always need to mean expensive. Right. It doesn't ne always, you know, need to mean, you know, over the top or anything like that. It really can just, I really don't want to overuse the word efficient, but um, like, you know, efficient might be mm -hmm. um, really at just maximizing what you're spending. Right. Do it well. Yeah. Don't, uh, yeah. I, I can't stress enough, but you you also know my my feelings on doing things like at half measure. Mm -hmm. Don't phone it in, right? Um, yeah. Especially looking into looking into a recession. Now is not the time to uh, do things at half measure. Be lackluster. Be like. Yeah. Now is the time to be full measure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or hardcore. 
Hardcore, yeah. Yeah. I like let's stick with hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's, you know, yeah. Ethical and right. aligns with our culture. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Well So should people invest less in marketing and going into the recession bin? No. No. <laughs> That's the answer we were trying to get yeah. to, right? Yeah, but we made them listen to the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Get there. Good. Yeah. Well, hopefully we provided some things to consider, some stuff to chew on and um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think that the answer to our question can be no, you shouldn't spend less. Um, and you might wind up spending less money. Right. Right? Right. <laughs> and those exactly. two things can exist um, next to each other. So, yes. Yeah. Good talk. Yeah. And also, P.S., if you have any questions about this kind of strategy, you should definitely call us. Right. Because. Yeah. Call us. Uh, and, and really, like, Sure, shameless plug, and we'd love to help people. We're always looking for, you know, uh, additional people to help on a, you know, professional basis and everything. Or call us so we can just talk. Like, let's just right. talk about it because we're super happy to share our knowledge. And, um, you know, we've, we've got a mission behind what we're doing, and um, we'd love to just chat and see how we can help or, you know, guide you, you know, to a decision or connect you to somebody else that can help. I mean, really, like, we just want to create this happy little world where everybody's getting the help that they need. And sometimes right. that might just start with a conversation. So don't hesitate. Are we to the point where we wrap up? Are we? Are yeah, we, going we are. To wrap we're up? there and oh the gosh, time is right. It went too fast. It was great, so right? Fast. Well, let's roll into our something awesome segment where we share recommendations for great things, awesome things, cool things that have happened. Um, podcasts and books seem to be a, a favorite share, but I'm going to uh, shift away from that this time around and give a shout out to one of our new teammates, uh, Mr. Nick Maliver, who has a pretty cool side gig, side hustle of uh, custom painting shoes. So it was actually something that he shared uh, in his interview. So I was instantly curious, like, what? Like painting shoes? What are you talking about? Mostly because I'm thinking, like, how do they, like, hold up or last? But he, right. he uses really good stuff and, um, you know, protects them with, uh, you know, sealants and things. Um, and uh, if they're cool enough, like the little story I'm going to share, maybe they'll just sit on a shelf for a little bit because <laughs> of how cool they are. So um, we'll share a picture uh, in the blog post with uh, this episode. Um, but I got to give a shout out to Nick who did a custom pair of shoes for my son Charlie's seventh birthday. Uh, Charlie's always been a big Spider-Man fan. Spider-Man's been his favorite superhero for forever. Um, and uh, recently... Um, has fallen in love with the Miles Morales version of Spider-Man, right, from the um, Into the Multiverse uh, movie that came out a while ago. And um, so we had uh, a few Spider-Man gifts for him for his uh, birthday, and just the timing was right from when Nick joined the team to when I learned a bit more about what his shoe painting gig was like, and I thought, oh, my gosh, could he create a custom pair of Spider-Man shoes for for Charlie, and so, uh, yeah, he did. He got this blank canvas pair of white Nike shoes and um, just did an awesome job. Um, you'll see the the picture putting the Miles Morales logo on and everything, so uh, shout out to Nick for uh, doing a, a really nice job on those shoes and uh, check out the picture, and shameless plug for Nick, too. If you're looking for a cool gift for someone or if... 
Um, you know, there's something that um, you dig personally that you want to mm-hmm. see on shoes, or even if it's just a unique color scheme or something. My guess is Nick could pull it off. So um, check him out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll share, we'll share some some way to get to him. Yeah. <laughs> TBD. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find how to get to him. Yeah. I know he's on TikTok. Right. So, uh, yeah. So has Charlie worn the shoes? Only around the house. Yeah. There, we we got him some shoes that were a bit big for him because we wanted him to have some toe space and wiggle room. And you know, being seven, he was like, it's like every day he's taller, mm-hmm. something, you know. But um, so he's worn them around the house, and he's been pretty good about it, actually, about um, like understanding why he can't wear them out and about to school and everything. One, they're a little big, so they look like clown shoes right now. So I don't think he'd want to wear them anyway. <laughs> but. Um, you know, he, he also knows that they're custom and um, yeah. wants them to last as long as he can and stuff. He even came up with the idea, what if they were just my gym shoes and I only wore them in gym at school? And so maybe someday that's what they'll wind up being. And then they'll, I can only uh, imagine, as long as they hold up, it'd be cool for them to go back on a shelf and, you know, when he's older, 16, 18 or something, have this cool little mm-hmm. decoration in his room and cool memory for us as parents too, you know, so. So importantly, when he tried them on, could he run super fast in them? So fast. And it's weird. He could, like, climb up walls, too. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know where Nick got that stuff That's from, That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That is one of my favorite things when you buy a little kid tennis shoes and, the, like, their first instincts. Look how fast I can run. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can jump so yeah. high. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, it is so funny that's what you chose to share. And here's why. Because... I just finally finished. My son bought me a book last last year for Christmas. This mm. is how, how long this has dragged on. <laughs> um, and it's a book by Neil Gaiman. It's called The Nancy Boys. And Nancy, if you... I don't think I ever... I should have... I definitely should have done something awesome for the show American Gods and the book American Gods. Um, also written by Neil Gaiman. Uh, but... Uh, a Nancy is a character in that, and then this is a whole separate ah, book got it. about okay. him um, and his family. But he, the, the tradition it comes from is an African god of like, chaos and mischief, and it's a spider. Ah, okay. So it's, it's, it's one of those sort of old god traditions that is both depicted sort of as a man and depicted as an animal, and it's that. Sure that kind of combination, but his particular animal is a spider. So Look at that. It's funny that you bring that up. Yeah. So my recommendation is this book called Nancy Boys, and I'll share a link so that you can get it um, on bookshop.org. Um, but I just, in general, have a real love for anything Neil Gaiman writes. Right, yeah. Because he, he has a way of writing that is so melodic. It is so easy to read. It mm-hmm. is so engaging and yet so human. And so yeah. that is a recommendation I can give. And I can give it uh, with absolute confidence because I have gone cover to cover now on that book, and I feel good about it. Nice. <laughs> Even though it took me almost a year. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, I definitely uh, echo the Neil Game and Love. We bought uh, the Graveyard book in mm-hmm. September. Um, I bought it ahead of Halloween thinking, like, you know, get in the mood, whatever, um, and then uh, started reading the first uh, pages of it to Charlie, <laughs> with Charlie, um, but it got a little probably too intense for a seven-year-old, so I was like, you know, I think 
dad's going to finish reading this one first and then maybe you can have it someday, but, uh, but really good. I mean, and like you said, like, like melodic is just an Mm -hmm. awesome word to describe his writing for sure. So cool. Great recommendation. And the American gods, American gods, what, what's that on or where do you stream it? It was on, it was on stars. I think there are three seasons of it has ended. Okay. Um, but I'm happily a person that doesn't mind watching the thing before reading the thing. Yeah, um, okay. Others might be a little more diehard the other way, but um, yeah. so I might have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. Uh, and also, I think the, if I remember correctly, the book is really long. Okay. So <laughs> Even more reason for me to check out the show. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And also watch Sandman. Have you seen Sandman? No. Is that on Netflix? Good gosh. Now I can't remember. We have... We have so many streaming channels yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because every time a new show comes out that we want to see, we just get the streaming channel, and then we yeah. really don't think about the fact that we are paying so many subscriptions. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But Sandman, based on graphic novel by Neil Gaiman, mm. um, and really, also really, really excellent. Okay. Cool. So. A couple bonus something yeah. awesomes in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of somethings awesome, something awesome, <laughs> whatever, we will include those links and the picture of Charlie's new shoes, which I have seen, and they are dope, <laughs> uh, along with the blog. And you can find those that information either on your favorite podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go right on over to our blog, and that is exclamationcuso.com slash blog. Um, but you can, on our website, if you go straight to exclamationcuso, the three most recent blogs are right there on the front page. There they are. So that is a always a fun little reminder that you can not just listen to this episode, but all of the other episodes too as well. That's right. Two as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Sue. And thanks, friends, for tuning in. Uh, we are your self-proclaimed professors of awesomeology, reminding you that life's awesome if you make it awesome. We'll see you next time.